everyone. Welcome to Party Like a Marketer, the podcast dedicated to cannabis marketing, public relations, and authentic storytelling. I'm your host, Lisa Buffo, founder and CEO of Cannabis Marketing Association. You can connect with me on Instagram at LeeBuff and on Twitter at LeeBuff21. Send me a message. I'd love to hear from you. Today's conversation features Jacob Rowland, the director of sales and marketing for Loud Labs, He deeply understands the power of emotion and connection. He holds degrees in both dance and marketing, where he found synergies between the two fields. The job of a performer is to create an emotional experience for your audience, and the job of a marketing professional is to create an emotional connection with your target demographic. Jacob has used this unique lens to drive sales and customer acquisition in industries ranging from luxury athletic apparel to big box CPG and many things in between. From an early age, Jacob had a passion for justice and civic engagement. This led him to become heavily involved in the drug policy reform movement. He held leadership positions in Normal at UC Santa Barbara during college, followed by professional experience at Students for Sensible Drug Policy in Washington, D.C. Today's guest I'm so excited to talk to is one of our members, Jacob Rowland, who's the Director of Marketing for Loud Labs, which is a cannabis multi-state operator, and Jacob is based in Denver. So Jacob, welcome, and thank you so much for joining us today. Thanks so much for having me. I'm I'm really excited to be here. Me too. So... To get started, could you just tell our audience a little bit about yourself, your background, you know, who who is Jacob, what brought you to the cannabis industry, and a little bit about Loud Labs and and what Loud Labs does as well? Yeah, absolutely. Um, I mean, first, I guess Loud Labs, we are a multi-state operator, we're minority owned, um, and one of the things that I think really makes us special is um, we were started by a pair of bud tenders that thought they could make a better product and they did. Um, and we're still owned by that group. So it's a very a very um, small, nimble team. Um, and we you know really are engaged kind of in the community. Um, there's just Where not was it many... founded Colorado. We were founded here in Colorado. Yep. And, uh, we've since expanded to Michigan and we're about to open up in New Jersey. So we're incredibly excited about that. Uh, we have three brands in our portfolio now, uh, pyramid pins is the vapes that we're most known for. Uh, this year we were excited to launch Zubies, which is our edible line. Um, we've already had multiple awards under our belt for those, uh, in the first year of launch. And then Doinks is our dissolute infused pre-rolls. It's our first foray into kind of the flower category. Uh, so uh, an exciting new space for us to explore. Um, myself, I have kind of a non-traditional uh, marketing background. I started in uh, performance. I was actually a dance major in my undergrad. Um, and after that career sunset, I went back and got an additional marketing degree. Um, I've been in high-end retail, I've been in automotive, I've been in consumer packaged goods. Uh, so I, I've been able to kind of approach things from a variety of different angles. Um, my cannabis background stems from my time in policy and legislation. I was actually heavily involved in normal when I was in school. Um, and Where then- were you in school? I went to UC Santa Barbara um, okay. and then UC Irvine for marketing. Um, 
and so I was the president of our normal chapter out there. That's the National Organization for the Reform of Marijuana Laws. This was pre-legalization. Uh, it was still kind of frowned upon in a lot of places, but in college, you had a lot of opportunity to kind of express those political views. And then I was recruited to Washington, D.C. for a short period of time after that and had professional experience as the um, the outreach director for students for sensible drug policy. Um, so I spent some time on the policy side uh, and then got involved in more traditional channels. Um, and then as legalization came about, as the industry started to develop, I decided that it was time to get back into cannabis. And that's how I landed at Loud Labs. So. And um, so what year, what year was Loud Labs founded and what year did you get back into cannabis? Yeah, uh, Loud Labs was founded in 2015. So okay. we've been doing this for quite a while. We've been in Michigan for two years now, um, opened up just before the pandemic <laughs> and, and learned a lot over that time period. Um, right now, Michigan is experiencing some of those market shakeouts that we see in every one of these states as they come online. Um, and we're looking forward to opening up in New Jersey uh, and growing the legal industry within that state as well. Um, I joined about a year ago, actually. So I haven't been with Loud Labs too terribly long, um, but it's one of the few brands that I actually was loyal to uh, before seeing the posting. And, uh, and it's really been a dream job for me. I'm, I'm just wildly excited about my team. Uh, they give me a lot of leeway to kind of run with wild ideas. Um, and I wear a lot of hats. I think that's one of the greatest things about the cannabis industry is, is we're building the airplane as we're flying it. So I have a lot of opportunities to just really try on new things, see if they work, if they don't move on to the next one. So. And um, if you don't mind me asking, no. what type of dance did you study? And are you from California originally? <laughs> yeah. Um, <laughs> so my degree is actually in ballet and modern dance. Oh, so I did awesome. a, a lot of ballet, um, uh, Montecito School of Ballet, Santa Barbara Dance Theater. Um, I was in musical theater as well. So I was in West Side Story. I was in Music Man, uh, two of my all-time favorites. So kind of highlights. Um, did some random music videos, commercials, that kind of thing. That's um, awesome. Yeah. Um, I am originally from California. I did go to high school in Colorado. So I have family in both locations. Uh, I've been absolutely lucky enough to spend time all across the country, um, coast to coast and... Uh, uh, you know, uh, I think the U.S. has just a lot to offer, and I think it's important that people explore all parts of this country. Oh. Yes, yes, yeah. I, I love that. Um, so, and when, so I saw you last week, just so our yep. audience knows, so I saw David <laughs> last week. We're going to, we'll get to this in a minute, um, but I saw him at a Bud Tender Appreciation Night in Colorado, um, at one of Colorado's famous, Denver's famous venues, the Marijuana Mansion. But when we were there, you had mentioned that, and we're going to talk about experiential marketing, but you had spent, I think you said a decade at Lululemon doing sure experiential yeah. marketing. Yeah. So I want to talk a little bit about that experience. What, yeah. Well, first of all, tell me what that was like, because I assume th those, if you were there for a decade, if I heard you right, that would have been its come up. 
Um, yep. Well, I'm sure you would have learned a lot and from some very experienced marketing folks. So, you know, I'm curious what that experience was like, you know, how they approach marketing um, and from the experiential side. And then maybe we can talk about how that ties into cannabis. Yeah. Uh, my time at Lululemon was incredible. Um, I learned a lot about myself. I learned a lot about people um, and a lot about management specifically. Uh, one of the incredible things about Lululemon was that they really trusted the stores to act very independently. So we had overarching guidelines, but then it was really up to the individual stores to drive the community, drive the um, consumer behavior in your market. So we had budget. Is that for, not typical? It is very atypical, right? Um, I think it's from a marketing perspective, it becomes very challenging to kind of keep your message on brand, keep your message um, tight and consistent from location to location uh, at that sort of a scale. So to allow an individual store to be making marketing decisions that complement overarching themes and overarching activations um, is unusual in a retail space, a traditional retail space. But I, I may think the numbers play out. I think the performance over the last decade really plays out um, in that you have a lot of very loyal consumers that are willing to budget accordingly, even in an economic downturn, um, or they become brand evangelists as a result of that direct connection that you create at the individual store level. Um, and Lululemon was very famous for doing some kind of cheeky, you know, type activations. The famous story that we always told was um, the original store that opened up in Vancouver. Uh, the founder ran an ad in the newspaper that was um, naked people get free pants, essentially. <laughs> and oh. They thought there'd be a few people because it was kind of a chilly Vancouver day. And there were hundreds and hundreds of people that showed up in trench coats and, and just dropped their jackets and came to get their free pants. That's um, awesome. Yeah. So creating a unique experience and, um, you know, not being afraid to try something bizarre and, and out there. So during my time there, you know, I, I got saddled with a lot of the men's programming at my store, you know, so we had broga days, we'd have um, brews and bros. Uh, we, you know, so we'd have people come in one time. One of my activations was actually complimentary haircuts for dads and kids. Uh, so we had local barbers in the shop doing necklines and, and just cleanups in preparation for father's day. And it was a really great way to get dad in the store. Mom was able to do some shopping while dad was distracted. Um, you know, we would take down people's sizes and that kind of thing and really personalize the experience. And, and, and those lessons really have stuck with me over my career, um, that, that personal touch uh, at every single touch point um, and really letting people know that they matter, that they're not just a number for the day, that it's not just about customer churn, but it's building those long-term relationships with consumers. Um, especially, I, I think... In cannabis, there's such a low barrier to switching between brands. I mean, we hear all the time, um, you know, brand loyalty is hard to develop. It's hard to drive. There's, there's no barrier. If you show up to a dispensary and your brand, your strain, 
your format of choice is not available, you're already there. You're probably just going to try something else and it's more or less going to get the job done. Um, so really the difference and, and, you know, not creating friction, but creating brand affinity through a positive emotional experience. So. Yes, I love that. And did you so, oh gosh, this brings up so many questions about retail and <laughs> cannabis. But um, so as far as Lululemon, so were you working at the store level and you had say over like those activations? I did. Yeah, we, we had regular guidelines, um, but I was at the store level, um, you know, and, and we had our peak holidays and we'd have national support kind of driving that awareness. But Lululemon has never really done traditional advertising. Uh, they focused all of their money on stores. So a lot of my job would have been going, uh, going into the fitness community, taking classes with people, getting to know different, um, uh, different fitness instructors, that kind of thing. Um, oftentimes giving them complimentary product or inviting them into the store for a personal fitting session, that kind of thing. Um, you know, and I've applied that to my experience in cannabis, uh, at the event that we were at a bud tender appreciation event. I look at bud tenders as kind of those fitness influencers in the other space. And, and so inviting them to have a more personal connection with us and get to know us on a more personal level really helps drive kind of that brand awareness, that brand affinity that we're looking for. Um, yeah. So, yeah, so let's, let's talk about, so for, for Loud Labs um, and Pyramid Pens, mm -hmm. what, tell me about how you approach experiential marketing and perhaps, you know, some activations or lessons learned in cannabis that maybe you've taken over from, from Lululemon or that are just like, Hey, this is what we found has, has worked. But also if you can speak towards any brand differentiators, because to your point about that uh, low barrier to brand affinity, I mean, we, we definitely see that. And that is yeah. like, that is, you know, the case in the industry. So, you know, is experiential marketing something that, you know, can overcome that? Have you seen that? Um, can you just speak a bit to, you know, Loud Labs and what, what makes you different and how you incorporate experiential marketing into the, the strategy and maybe what, you know, does or doesn't work for cannabis in that sense? Yeah, absolutely. Um, you know, we're highly regulated, so we always have to be very careful. I can't just walk down the street giving away product, um, even, though, even though that would be a very effective campaign. Okay. Um so always looking for interesting ways to connect. Um, you know, I, I think one of the things that makes us uh, different, one of the things that makes our brand stand out um, really is the people. Um, you know, that's our secret sauce. That was makes us different than everybody else. Um, you know, as I mentioned, we have a very lean team. They're all incredibly passionate. We approach it as we are consumers ourselves and we're making product for our friends, for our family. Um, every time I talk to our grower, I talk to our lab manager, uh, I talk to our extraction team, I'm learning new things about the product and nothing lights me up more than when my extraction team busts open the door to the office and says, Oh my God, you have to smell this. This is like the greatest thing we've pulled so far. Um, you know, I've been with other brands where you don't 
wear the clothing or you don't use the product, but we all use what we produce. Um, so we stand behind it um, and we want to express that to to the public and, and to the consumers. I mean, this is this is excellent quality product because there's a lot of passion, a lot of um, self-driven learning, a lot of um, joy behind what we're producing. Uh, and I, th I think that really makes a difference. Um, you can you can essentially taste it in the final product. You know, I always I always joke our um, our grow goes exclusively to our rosin production because it's the only way that we can guarantee the highest quality supply chain for that product. Um, our head grower is constantly chasing phenotypes, trying to find the absolute best bud to produce this rosin. Our freezers are feet away from the grow, you know, so we are harvesting that and, and freezing it at the peak of freshness. Um, and, you know, at night they, they sing goodbye to the plants, put on some dubstep and, and yeah. let them do their thing. So it's just a, an incredible volume of love and passion behind the product. It really does translate through to the final product. Um, and that that growth journey that we all go through, you know, we started as a CO2 company and several years ago we switched to hydrocarbon um, because we learned so much about the product in our journey. And we decided that we can make a, an even better product more efficiently for the consumer. It, it, it's opened up a lot of opportunities for us to get out of just vape and into high quality concentrates now. So now we have you know, dabbable grams of butter, sauce, rosin, um, live resin, in addition to a classic distillate vape. Um, and, and so it's that continuous journey uh, and iteration time after time after time. And I'm so, I, I didn't know this about Loud Labs being founded by two bud tenders. Can yep. you speak I want to go back to that. We'll oh, absolutely. Experiential marketing, but can you speak a bit to that founding story? Like, were they, did they have a background in, you know, vapes and, and production <laughs> or were they really like front, you know, front no, of retail uh, workers? I like, mean, it's the coolest happen? thing. Jake and Coley are, um, they met at uh, the health center here in Colorado. Okay. Yeah. Uh, and they were working on the med side kind of pre and early years of legalization in the state. And uh, they were, you know, this was right when vape technology was hitting the market. So again, you know, 2015 is when they founded. So this would have been, you know, 13, 14. And, you know, there was cart failure all the time. Uh, I remember carts were very dirty looking or, or very dark oil, that kind of thing. You never knew what you're going to get. It was all fly by night brands. Um, Jake has a little bit of marketing background from school, but he was freshly graduated. I think he was, you know, 25 at the time, maybe. And, uh, and yeah, they said, Hey, we can do this better. They scraped together money from friends and family and, and bootstrapped the company and, and they've been doing that ever since. So it was a lot of not easy to do. No, no, not at all. A lot of failure, a lot of, um, you know, picking yourself up and trying again, a lot of long drives to the border towns, um, you know, covering the entire state with, 
with the owners doing delivery, you know, and that's just not something that you see all the time. Um, you know, I, I'm so lucky to have owners that will absolutely roll up their sleeves. We've had times where, um, you know, hey, we're all going to come in on Saturday to fill orders because we want to make sure that we can turn these around as quickly as possible. Because we started from such modest beginnings, we feel very passionately about forming those partnerships within the community to kind of help elevate newcomers um, and bring more people into this circle. So we don't have order minimums. A lot of other companies have order minimums. You have to do a case pack of 50 or things like that. You know, if if all you can afford is 10 units to get us on your shelf, you're running really lean right now because you're a startup dispensary. We're absolutely happy to help you out. We're absolutely happy to turn that around same day if we can. So, you know, we pride ourselves on that customer experience at every level of the organization and and having lived it firsthand we're able to better support people and and grow the whole industry not just our slice of the pie that's that's great i hadn't even thought about no minimum orders as a even a marketing strategy and just like get your foot in the door and if you're selling 10 vapes but that gets you a few customers at this store like the the potential return later on could be huge yeah Um, i mean just like there's a risk to the consumer to trying something new, we know that there is a risk to the retailer to trying something new. Um, we good. have a long history with our product, but not everybody does, especially as we continue to open up new states. So saying, hey, look, try us. Like, this is $100. It's not going to break the budget. Um, we know that when consumers try this or when your team tries this, they're going to absolutely have a great experience with it. And we stand behind that and we'll grow this relationship over time. Um, relationships are super, super important. So we want a long-term relationship. I don't want to just push product on you at a super cheap price and then you'll never see me again. Um you know, you have immediate access to me, uh, the entire marketing team. You have access to our C-suite as a customer, um, as a consumer. I mean, you can pick up the phone, our numbers on every single one of our packages. I love phone calls from customers. Um, it gives me great feedback, um, you know, and anytime there's an issue, it's an opportunity for me to go above and beyond. Um, I, I send people swag all the time. <laughs> Um, it. And it's just, I just want to create that great experience. And if somebody is not having a great experience, um, I want to, I want to change that. So if I call you, I can get some swag. Oh, absolutely. <laughs> <laughs> let's see how many calls you get. That'd be hilarious. Um, so let's talk experiential marketing. And Please, I, yeah. I do want to talk about, um, you know, Michigan and New Jersey and some of the lessons there, but you had a really awesome activation at marijuana mansion last week oh man was that fun it was a lot of fun um and sometimes i get overwhelmed at those industry events when it's like consumption and it's networking and i'm like you know where do you go and it's crowded yeah. but that one just like there was something about it where the vibe was really nice everyone was super friendly there was a lot of brands there it was just a really happy um atmosphere but can you tell us a bit about some of the activations that you have done um you know, perhaps what we talked about, what you had there and then, yeah. uh, you know, what you had tried earlier this summer. Sure. Um, 
So we're doing a series of events, the Marijuana Mansion, which has been really great. The industry as a whole has been just begging for these sorts of events. Um, they kind of all went dark at COVID. So a big part of my job and, and coming into this was building up our brand ambassador team, getting the resources together in order to start doing these sorts of in-person activations again. Um, the, the Bud Tender event, we, we invited, we, we hand delivered invitations to bud tenders across all of our accounts. Um, we went into accounts that we've been trying to get into different dispensaries, um, like new dispensaries, physical invitations. Physical invitations um, you know, and then my sales team and I would call each other and just double check. Hey, did you hit this store? Did you hit this store? Hey, I went in this store and they were all excited about the event, that kind of thing. Um, and, and it's that kind of personal touch that I think allowed for the great turnout that we had. You know, this was not just an IG blast or a, a bulk email that went to managers and then they just kind of put it in their in their garbage box, you know. Um, people knew that we were invested in the event and that we wanted to have a good time and 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 they could see that energy behind it. Uh, and it really it turned out just fantastic. Um, the previous events had kind of you know, faded a little bit early. And this one went all the way to the very end. And we were saying, Hey, okay, we got to go guys. We have work yeah. tomorrow. <laughs> um, so it was awesome. It was a great chance for a lot of our bud tender friends to experience product that they didn't even know we had, you know, we have stores that only carry specific product lines. They only carry our CBD product or they, they only carry our edibles. Uh, and they, they didn't know that we offer, like I said, dabbable grams that we offer infused pre-rolls, all of these other categories. And it was just like, oh my gosh, I can try all of these, um, you know, from disposables to PAX pods to, you know, uh, the pre-rolls. And so it was just, it was incredible to be able to kind of gift that to people um, and just have a really great time. You know, when, when it's a bud tender focused event, that's what I tell my team, like have a good time, make friends with everybody. Like that's what we're here for. Um, yeah. And that's why we're in cannabis, you know, the people are, are just so exciting. There's so much creativity. There's so much fun energy. Um, and, and tapping into that is kind of really the best. Um, other activations that we've done this year, you know, again, I, I bring my, my background from kind of dance and, and Lululemon into things. So I still have a very active yoga practice and, um, so we've partnered with several yoga studios in town, um, some of them have kind of cannabis focused classes already on their uh, offerings. Some of them created private events that we could invite their, you know, their um, populations, their community to these events. And, um, you know, for those private events, we're able to kind of sample things. Um, a lot of them are kind of BYOC. So I just happened to bring some of my personal stash. Um, and again, because I love our products. It's, it's usually our product. Um, and, and those are just incredibly fun. And at first it was a lot of me tapping into my network. And now I have other yoga studios reaching out to me and saying, oh my gosh, like we had fun at this one. Can we do this activation at, at our studio? Um, and, and I just love it. I mean, for me, 
consuming and fitness go really, really hand in hand. It's a, a way to reinforce kind of that mind body connection. Um, and, and for me, I'm able to kind of block out all of the distractions that we have in our lives that prevent you from, from going to the gym, from, you know, taking care of yourself uh, and just really focus in the moment and be present. And, uh, and so being able to share my personal experience and, and authentically bring people along on that journey with me, I mean, there's just nothing better. Like it's, it's the greatest thing ever. So um, in fact, last night I got another email and I just can't wait till our next one. This one is actually a studio that said, Hey, we want to do this just for our staff, um, which is so cool. So that cool. Is they're, cool. <laughs> yeah. They're so, like, we just want, we just want our team to experience this. That's like yeah. the ultimate endorsement. Oh, it's amazing. It's amazing. Um, you know, simpler activations. Um, we launched our Zubies, our gummies in February. And, uh, you know, we kept beating ourselves up. How, how do we get people to try these? You know, if this was traditional grocery or other consumer packaged goods, my brand ambassador team would set up a pop-up and just sample people. Obviously I can't do medicated samples to the general public. There's, there's age gates that need to be in place, that type of stuff. So we spend a significant amount of our kitchen resources on producing non-medicated gummies. Um, I think you got to sample them at the event mm -hmm. and, um, you know, I'm, I'm working on getting a budget for a, a Red Bull truck kind of a deal where I can just nice. send people everywhere and sample out these gummies, but we made big candy jars and I go to dispensaries. I go to traditional retail places. I've, I've stopped at my old Lululemons and given them jars because as a retail worker, blood tender or otherwise, I know interacting on your feet all day with customers, like it's exhausting. And sometimes you just need a little sugar boost. Um, and so we leave giant jars of gummies all over the place for people to just taste. And then at these consumption events, I'm able to do side-by-side -side taste testings with people. Um, and, you know, one of the things that makes our gummies so special is that there is zero cannabis taste to them. They're 10 milligrams, just like every gummy on the market. And they taste like candy first and foremost. They're super simple. Um, you just choose sour or sweet and they're all a delicious choice. And we just wanted people to be able to to try them and enjoy them. Um, and that's been wildly successful. Again, I have people calling and being like, Hey, can, can we get another tub of those? <laughs> the, the whole team ate them or, or the manager took them home. Or, you know, that kind of thing. Uh, and that's just been incredible. So, you know, again, sometimes the, the simplest things and, and showing people that you care and that you're making an effort to make their day-to-day -day experience better goes such a long way. Um, and, and so that's really how we kind of approach a lot of these activations is, is what can we do to improve somebody's life? What can we do to make their day that much better? Um, and hopefully expose them to our products, our brand messaging, um, that kind of thing. And, you know, if there's not a product for them, right now, if they have a positive takeaway from our connection, uh, you know, maybe in the future, there'll be a product or at the very least, they'll tell somebody, Hey man, those guys over at pyramid are doing great stuff or those gummies were really good, you know? So that, that's really what we're trying to do. 
I love the idea of connecting with other retail workers directly. Like I, that's so brilliant and simple and obvious. I can't believe I haven't heard of that or thought of it before, but I've, I worked in the service industry for Mm -hmm. a while, you know, before, and even in between my time during my time in cannabis and those things matter when people come in and they offer samples and they offer Mm -hmm. it to the staff and it makes, and it's such an obvious overlap with cannabis that it's just, to me, that's like, that's so simple. And so, um, there is so much focus on this industry on finding the bud tenders and getting to the decision maker or the, the purchasing manager who is by design hard to find yep. because everyone's trying to find them. But it's like you're going to the consumers directly. It doesn't have to be complicated. But to think like to think that way is just so I just love it. It's so clear and so brilliant. And I'm like not surprised you've had success with that because I would. Yeah, if I was a retail manager in, in a store on Pearl Street and you had dropped off gummies, that would make my day. Oh my gosh. It's the best. I, yeah. you know, I always loved it in my other jobs when those sorts of activations happened. Um, you know, we'd get protein powder, we'd get whatever. Or, you know, one of my previous successes marketing for Lululemon was when we opened up a brand new store, I went to every single retailer within that mall and brought them a a holiday survival kit. Um, And everybody knew that we were opening up a new location and we had a personal connection and other retailers were directing customers to our store as a result of it. And I made the holiday season a little bit better for people. You know, I had honey and tea and lemon drops and some sugar and just just a wellness pack, something to make somebody's life better as you're so no, dealing no with- No Lululemon product. Just no Lululemon like- product whatsoever. Just, hey, this is from one retail professional to another. This is the stuff that we use to try and like make the holiday that much more palatable. Um You know, you're gonna do a lot of overtime and you need to do some self-care too. Uh, and, and that had an impact, you know, a very positive one. Um, and so that's, again, that's kind of my approach to all of this is, is how can I elevate somebody's life? Um, and yeah, you know, as far as reaching out beyond just the cannabis ecosystem, you know, we, it's easy for us to have our blinders on and really focus on just cannabis, right. but, but cannabis consumers are made up of every population. There is no there is no walls except for the one that we put up. Um, you know, so it's incredibly important, especially as we look towards a more mature market. You know, we've all seen the data. The Colorado market is shrinking as other states come online. We're losing tourist traffic. You know, it's no longer it's no longer unique to come to Colorado for a cannabis consumption experience. You can now have that in California, Vegas, New York, you know, uh, other areas that have other tourist draws to come to them. So, you know, we're seeing a downturn in tourist traffic around the border towns, that kind of thing. Um, Not to say that it's going away completely, but because we are seeing that downturn, it's that much more important for us to try and get out of our silo and start reaching those other communities, right? So, you know, bud tenders are retail workers. Let's hit all retail workers, you know, or I'm very engaged in the yoga community. So let's, let's bring that authenticity um, with cannabis. So 
um, it, it's been it's been great getting to talk to people. And, and, and my favorite thing is always talking to cannabis or talking to people about cannabis in a work environment, <laughs> I'm yeah. kind of destigmatizing that. Um, you know, every interview I have, I start off with what what is your favorite consumption method or or why? And because this is a cannabis job, we're going to have to talk about cannabis. And you can always see people are nervous because there's a cognitive dissonance about talking about weed in a professional environment. And it's like, yeah. hey, we got to rip that bandaid off and we got to start talking. So. Yeah, it's very true. Even within the industry, there's still oh, time where that just like old tape that plays in your head is yeah it does I, I mean I catch it in myself as well oh, and constantly yeah yeah so. it's um it just shows you how deep that stigma and you know what we were taught growing up uh is embedded and yeah. the work we have to do but um to that point so a lot of our listeners are startup entrepreneurs they are you know everyone in this industry is is on a shoestring budget so if you don't mind could you share the story we had just talked about about the popsicles and activation you did (laughs) with the noodle because it speaks to this about simplicity and cost effectiveness and it's just such a good story if you don't mind sharing absolutely so (laughs) i'm still a little salty about it but (laughs) (laughs) um our flavored vape recently won um, the Rooster 710 Showdown. Rooster is a publication in Colorado that runs several cannabis competitions. And uh, we've got best flavored vape in the state. And the flavor is Rocket Pop. I love popsicles. I love summer. Um, you know, it, it smoking it brings me back to kind of a childlike state. Like summer break, I'm out, you know, fireworks, yeah. all of that. Um so we had just won this and we were having another big kind of consumption event and I got all excited and I allocated a decent budget to buying rocket pop popsicles. So I had a whole ice chest. I bought dry ice to make sure that they would stay cold. And I got, Hey, we're going to get people stoned and they're going to get the munchies and I'm going to have popsicles and I'm going to be an absolute hero at this event. People are just <laughs> going to be popsicle after popsicle. Um, I, I couldn't give those things away. I think, I think I went through 10, maybe 15 and I had bought 200 maybe. (laughs) Um, So I had to drag a full ice chest of popsicles back. (laughs) And for months now we've been eating them in the office, which has been a win, but (laughs) but not what I was expecting. So at the event that you were at the other night, um, you know, I'm steeped in YouTube and, and Instagram and all of the silly cannabis culture stuff um, that I've been participating in since I was in college. Uh, and there is this one video that was going around where uh, somebody had taken a pool noodle, cut it down to a, about a steamroller size, you know, 16 inches or so, and just filled it full of passive vaporizers, the kind that you just have to inhale, not the kind with a button. And I thought, this is like a stupid. straw, basically. Pardon? It's like, like basically a straw. It's basically a straw. Yeah. You just yeah. inhale uh, and the light will come on. If you, if you go too long, it'll blink. So those are called blinkers. Um, and we started talking around the office and we passed around the video. Oh, this video is so funny. and silly. And I was like, we could do that. Let's, let's do that. So uh, I, I went to the Dollar Tree and I bought three pool noodles, <laughs> chopped them up, and we took all of our flavors of flavored carts and stuck them in one. And then and we called that the Burst Blaster because Burst is our 
flavors. And then we took our rosin line because, you know, we're really passionate about it and we want people to try that. And we filled a whole steamroller full of these rosin carts. And again, it cost me a dollar. Uh, it was wildly cheap. And it was the most popular thing at the event the other night. People were grabbing their friends. People were Instagramming it. It And it was, I mean, it was so fun. It was so, so fun. Um, it was deceptive. A lot of people <laughs> really were surprised. Um, and, and it was an it was a positive experience for everybody. It made people laugh because it was so silly. Um, you know, and people wanted to share it with their friends. And then that's, that's what cannabis is all about is sharing it with your friends, right? So coming up with something silly that allows you to not take yourself too seriously and just have fun with it, I think is really important. Um, and so now I'm getting, my whole team is like, well, those have to be at every event from now on. <laughs> and we're, we're talking about trying to figure out how to make a, a more, refined version instead of a pool noodle can we get ones manufactured that actually are purpose-built for that sort of a thing um you know can you do it with one vape instead of five or or how do we make it how do we make how do we scale it <laughs> and still maintain that shoestring budget <laughs> I, well i love it because it speaks to it speaks to the innovation and ingenuity that can happen when you're not afraid to try something Absolutely. and, and essentially be afraid to, you know, kind of be bold or even possibly embarrass yourself or <laughs> like go for it. And there's so much pressure and marketers in the industry to show ROI, show ROI because of how our, our well, our taxes are set up and the way, sure. like the way everything works in the space right now is that we talk with marketers all the time where they're like, Hey, if, if I can't show my finance team or my head of, you know, the company that there's going to be ROI on this marketing initiative, then, um, you know, I won't get approval. And, and, and I understand that 100%. And in many ways it stifles that creativity and innovation. And I think also can lead to this mindset of like afraid to fail. Yeah. So I love that story where you're like, Hey, I totally went for it with the popsicles. And like, I tried this and, and made logical sense. I mean, totally. I was there, I would have definitely got a popsicle. <laughs> that made perfect sense to yeah. me, but it's like the willingness to try that and learn ended up in a big success for you and, and a new way of thinking. And I, I want to just encourage marketers to, um, sort of take those risks and understand that there's lots of room for that. And there can be massive upside, even if it doesn't seem like the, the sexy thing to do, but it, totally. it just works because it's thoughtful. It's in the culture, it's in the community, it's, you know, based in, like you said, creating that emotional connection and that experience for people. And that's where I think experiential marketing um, can have that opportunity and that difference that um, sometimes digital or, you know, print doesn't have. And yeah. uh, so thank you for sharing that and being willing to be vulnerable in that, in that story, because I, I, I just want to hear that more from marketers. Like we you know, went for it and didn't work, but we learned and then had this awesome ending. Um, there's, there's an ROI in learning and development. You know, it's tough to make space as a manager. That's one thing that I learned over and over and over again. You have to create safe opportunities for your team to fail. Right. Um, you 100%. Know, 
if you're not pushing yourself, if you're not failing, you're not pushing yourself and you're not growing. Um, you know, I know this from fitness, right? Um, but I, I also, as a manager and as a, a professional, know that I have to create a safe area for my team to try things and fail. And it, it's not a waste of resources if you take the time to reflect and iterate. Everything is iteration. So I said, okay, I thought this was a great idea. We tried it. It just didn't work. It was too many things to bring. You know, it, it took time and budget. Um, so we try something else. We so every single time we do one of these events, I say what worked, what didn't continue mm -hmm. to do the things that work and look for opportunities to try something new. You know, each one of these is an experiment. That's all. Again, we're building the airplane while we're flying it. We're mm -hmm. all in an experimental phase. Um, you know, and so as long as you're doing something authentically, you're, you're genuinely committing to it and trying it, really getting in there and trying it, um, you know, as long as you learned, that's a success. Um, you know, obviously, try and, and be aware of your scale, right? So try things on the small side, and then scale with that larger budget. You know, and, and to your point, it's easy to kind of get in that mindset of, oh, these constraints, this, these budgetary constraints make it difficult for me to do my job. Um, but the simplest things can have the most impact a lot of the time. And I, I try and think of it as a, as a puzzle, you know, as a creative opportunity, like, okay, I, I don't have as much money as Juana. Um, you know, I'm not in every state. Would I like to get 80% market penetration like they have? Absolutely. What do I have now that is different and unique to us and to my community? And how can I scale that? Um, you know, and then as you prove it, you continue to grow um, and you refine it every single time. You know? 100%. Thank you for summarizing that and, and clarifying it because there are advantages to being small. Oh my like gosh. I, they're probably not handing, you know, personal invites to bud tender night. Like there, there are strengths to being small that yep. can work in your favor. And I'm sure as you experienced at Lululemon, like that ability for, and gosh, this should be a whole separate episode, but like, how can retail do what Lululemon did where they're, right. they're connecting with the community where that store and the, the products that are represented there have some freedom to, you know, outreach based on what they know about their neighbors and their customers and um, keeping it really simple. Like that's kind of ultimately what it is, is like, yeah. what do you know about, you know, human behavior, how people connect and interact, how they want to be um, communicated with and connected with their communities, which involves their businesses, which involves the products, which involves these aspects of their lifestyle you know, Colorado, we have cannabis, we've got this amazing outdoor scene. And those two, we have amazing music and art and culture and all those things go really well and yoga and how you can sort of cross, you know, pollinate, so to speak, based on these local strengths to really help everybody just seems like such an obvious win-win that's, you know, not going to be found in a marketing class and regardless of budget um, can be achieved on some scale, but that's, that's ultimately what you're, you're getting at. Um, so I'm just, I'm, I'm so glad to hear that and, and share that with this community and uh, another day we'll dive into the retail <laughs> side. Cause I definitely want to talk about that, but um, oh, there's so much, <laughs> there's so much, there's so much in retail, but 
given that we only have about like five minutes left, um, I, I did want to talk quickly about your, you know, the expansion from Colorado to Michigan and New Jersey. We know yeah. that new states, you know, it's a whole different beast. Oh. It's a whole different, it, it just, it just is. And, you know, you, you all did this right. You said right before COVID or right, like right before COVID, yeah. right at COVID. So in, in the four minute version, can you kind of just like talk through that and explain any of those like high level marketing lessons learned that, you know, perhaps maybe would have worked in Colorado, but not so much in Michigan and yeah, um, degree, which we can. Every market is different. I mean, that's what it boils down to. Um, and, you know, that personal touch translates to every market. So what I, what I have learned through this is that I need to be that much more involved when we open up New Jersey. I need to be on the ground immediately creating those connections and setting that foundation. So we've gone through some team turnover, a variety of things in Michigan, and I have been involved in really building things here on the ground in Colorado. And, and I can jump in my car and go to a dispensary and, and create that connection. Um, and to your point, that's difficult to scale. So I can scale that, but I have to be very involved from the get-go and I need to establish that precedent and say, this is how we operate in these markets. And I need to continue to check in on my team and set those very clear expectations up front. Um, you know, and, and be patient about it and, and have a backup plan always. So, you know, we've run into, we've run into continuous price changes. Um, you know, the, the market has oversaturated in Michigan. They're, they're starting to turn off um, new licenses and that kind of thing. Um, and it, it, again, it's, I mean, it's the same thing for all of us in every market is we just have to be nimble. Yeah. Um, you know, and, and we're super excited about New Jersey because this is our third time opening up every single time we build out a facility, it gets that much better. You know, our lab in Michigan, the, the steps have our logo on it. You know, the stairs have like the safety grip, but it's actually like our logo, which I think is just a really adorable touch. And, and we don't have that here, you know, um, and I know the New Jersey one's going to be that much better. Um, so it's, it's making sure that we're taking the time from the get-go to really establish priorities and, and operational norms, and then holding people accountable to that, and then continuing to build and scale on that. Um, I mean, it's hard to summarize the lessons learned because every single day there's something new. And because the difference in market maturity in both States is just so extreme. Um, it really is totally different strategies. Um, but I think the thing that kind of ties all of them together is really, you know, taking the time to, to get to know people and connect. <laughs> it always comes back to that for me. Um, you know, the turnover issues that we've had, had I been more connected, I would have been able to identify these issues and change them quicker, you know, or bringing people with me to a dispensary instead of um, letting my team kind of guide, guide me when I'm in market, um, you know, 
I, 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 there's so much to talk about there. <laughs> I know, um, I know that it is a lot. Um, well, I appreciate that summary and, and to just validate, it even sounds like your team is doing the experiential thing, like for your company. Like if, yeah. if I'm stepping on the stairs and I see the logo, those, those touches do make a, facil- a facility and particularly a physical workplace, you know, that much better. So it seems like that, you know, ethos and mentality is in your company culture, which just speaks to your growth, your, mm-hmm. you know, rapid um, learning curve that we're, yeah. we're all on for this space. Um, but that with that sort of thoughtfulness and persistence, and, you know, like you said, each time you do something, doing that like postmortem analysis, you know, what yeah. worked, what didn't, you are able to, um, you know, scale and improve. So I just, I love how that came full circle as far as like inter external marketing and, you know, internal creating those, those experiences, because those details really do matter and really do, um, can make the difference between a customer, a happy customer and a customer that's, you know, a promoter for your brand and, you know, really kind of doing the, the work for you. Yeah. I mean, if, if my team is happy, if my team is engaged in our product, they're going to be the biggest brand evangelists for us. So it's that it's taking that and then having them share that with their friends and then share it with their friends, et cetera. So, um, you know, it all starts in our four walls every time. Well, Jacob, thank you so much for your time. This was such an awesome conversation to have. Um, is there any contact information, Instagram handles, like where can our listeners find pyramid pens, um, yeah. or you website, anything like that you want to share in, either personal or for the company? Our Instagram is get zoobies, get doinks and get pyramid. So pyramid doinks and zoobies is the three brands. Um, you can, you can find us on IG, uh, get zoobies, get doinks and get pyramid. Awesome. Yeah. Well, thank you, Jacob. I appreciate it so much. And I look forward to seeing you at the next event. Thanks, Lisa. I appreciate it. Thank you for joining us for another episode of Party Like a Marketer. Follow us on Instagram at Party Like a Marketer and on our website, thecannabismarketingassociation.com. Check out our website for more details and membership information. We'll see you next time.